0: Welcome to another episode of the portuguesesoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 144. And here we go. We are, uh, well, when I'm recording this, we have about a few days left before the World Cup begins. Uh, Portugal again going uh, basically next Thursday, and obviously um, we're going to be uh, well. We'll be at the World Cup. This is the biggest event in uh, football, soccer, every uh, four years. Although this year a little bit more than four years, with the fact that it's taking place uh, in the uh, winter. But obviously we have a lot to look forward to. And I've got a special guest tonight. I've had him on in my episode, on my podcast in the past. Someone whose opinion I respect. And And that is, of course, Cristiano Oliveira. You can follow him on Twitter at 10CO10. Um, You know, We talked about a lot of things. Fabio Carvalho, what was that all about with uh, Fabio announcing that he didn't want to play for Portugal's under-21? We talked about all this Cristiano Ronaldo controversy. What does this mean for his legacy? What does this mean for his uh, future? We talked, of course, about the Silesong coming up. Uh, My concerns about Antonio Silva being uh, called up. I got the chance to hear his opinions. And we got a chance to talk about Fernando Santos and... And really, what it's going to be like for a lot of us, especially because, at least in the Northeast US, uh, the first game's at 5 a.m. Uh, I mean, some of us, uh, you know, here in North America, especially in the USA, you know, Portugal will be playing on Thanksgiving Day, which is going to be a bit of an adjustment for us with that holiday. We spoke about the Qatar cutter, I, I heard pronounced in different ways you know, a lot of criticism. Is it too late? Of course it is. We talked about that. And we had some comments as well about, uh, the Tasa of the Liga, which is also going to be running during the world cup. And I was a big fan of it. I got a chance to hear Chris's comments. And obviously we also got a, you know, a chance to talk about TV rights, uh, the centralization of the TV rights and, uh, as well talk about his favorite subject. Uh, and that is of course, uh, Benfica. So, uh, about a 70-minute interview, you know, you can listen to it all at once, you can listen to it in parts, but that'll be coming up here in a few minutes. And I'm going to keep the first part short because I want to stick to the format like I always do, which is essentially previewing or reviewing what went on last week in the Portuguese First Division. And obviously there is no more Liga matches until the end of December. We are now on World Cup break. Uh, we do have the TAS of the Liga going on, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, the Liga break is officially on for about the next uh, about five to six weeks. Obviously, the big story reviewing is Benfica has not lost any of their 25 matches since they started the season. With Roger Schmidt, and they've also, of course, have not lost any other matches in the Liga. 12 wins in one draw. They sit in first place with an 8-point lead over Porto, 9-point lead over Braga, and 12-point lead over Sporting. Passos de Ferreira, they haven't beaten anybody. And they sit in last place with two points. Meritimu is in 17th place with only uh, six points. And the surprise, no doubt, Gazapia. Even though they lost last week, they still sit in fifth place. Sporting, as we all know, I think has been a bit of a surprise. You know, that's what happens when you sell the players. And obviously, they're not as good as they two years ago. Certainly not as good as they were last year. Sporting has been very underwhelming. They've been eliminated from the Tasso de Portugal as well. So that hasn't been a very good thing. Porto, only eight points behind. But nevertheless, it is still eight points. Uh, No Portuguese team. Um, has ever been able to come back from eight points and win. In other words, when somebody is in first place by eight points in Portugal... They have never lost that lead, and they've always won the title according to a playmaker. So that's going to be a very interesting uh, statistics. And last week, no real surprise. We saw Befica beat Gilles Vicent. We saw Braga go to El beat Porti Muniz in a comeback 2-1. We saw Sporting and Ruben Amarim go to a place that historically they don't do well, and that's Fama winning 2-1. to And we saw Porto take care of business in the Porto Derby, uh, defeating Boivista 4-1. Uh, to one. And again, nothing gets going until the end of December. And when we do have resumption, and obviously plenty of time later on to talk about it, uh, you'll have a Sporting Passus. Uh, we're going to have a Porto roca We're going to have... And this, by the way, will be the best match when Liga b win resumes. And that's a braga Benfica being played up in Minho. That is a very, very good match. And that'll be coming up uh, again at the end of uh, December. Uh, Second division report... Uh, Fedence from the Algarve from Faru picked up two wins this week including playing a match that they needed to um, uh, finish playing I think it was one of the matches that we rescheduled but Mori is still in control with 32 points but Fedence from the Algarve has managed to cut the deficit to just four points Estrella who will be playing Benfica this weekend in the TAS de the Liga on Sunday they are in third with 22 points as is Benfica B and then in fifth place is Vila Frequence and again um, second division, Morey Dents uh, still in control with a 10-point lead over the third-place team. And I mentioned that because, remember, the top two teams automatically get promoted. So Morey Dents in comfortable position. But as far as the division title, uh, Ferenc is starting to catch up with them uh, with uh, 28 points. Of course, Ferenc was relegated two years ago. Morey Dents was relegated uh, last season. And they are at the uh, top of the standings. At the bottom, Pisa, Trofets, and Cuvilla. And they are at the bottom with Trofense Covilla sitting in a 17th and 18th place. Uh, and that, of course, uh, is your second division report. Uh, they had the Tasa do Portugal draw on Monday of this week. And uh, in my opinion, there's two really good matches to watch out. First off, we have a derby with Braga taking on Guimarães. These are matches that are going to take place in the middle of January, the 10th, 11th, and the 12th. They haven't announced the dates yet. But Braga, Guimarães, right off the bat, that is a great, great uh, you know, round the 16 match. And then we have Benfica having to go to Varzim. And let's not forget, Varzim eliminated Sporting at Home. And uh, Varzim will be playing Benfica. Can they knock off another Giant? Uh, I don't think so. But again, this is the Tasa. There are surprises, but uh, that's another very interesting match. And don't think that Schmidt... Is going to remind his team about who they beat uh, to advance to the round of 16, or um, or you know to adv- uh you know who they beat uh, two rounds ago. Other matches of interest: Porto playing Aroca, same team that Porto is going to start off with uh, the Liga B win right after the break. So Porto will be playing Aroca again in mid January. Other matches of interest: Academico do Viseu, which has been playing very well under Jorge Costa. Uh, eight wins and one draw since September when Jorge Costa took over as manager. Of course, you might remember Jorge Costa, the legendary uh, defender with uh, Porto back in the Golden Generation. And they'll be playing Beta Mod, of course, Avedo's club, a club that with a lot of history in the first division, but find themselves down at the bottom. We have Le Fama. We have a uh, third division team alive. Vila Verdez taking on Bissad. Bissar at the bottom, can they stay alive? And then you got a Nacional taking on my favorite name, Rabu Pesh, <laughs> Fishtail. And uh, those are the draws uh, that happened this week for the uh, Taça de Portugal. And again, even though we have, of course, the World Cup going on, we do have, of course, Tasa de Liga going on. And it got going already at the time that I am recorded this earlier today. We saw a match in Group A between Penafiel and More uh, Benfial was winning one nil or one zero in the first half. Then during the second half, they had a big issue with the lights. The, the match was delayed for sixty minutes. But Dance, when they did resume playing with the lights, Dance came back to win it. So second division club beating, I believe it's the sixth place club in the second uh, division. Uh, first place Dance beating the sixth place club Benefial and Dance wins the first match. Uh, the other team in this group is Madura, who'll be hosting. Benfica this Sunday, uh, and that will be the other team in this uh, Group A. Uh, and again, there's going to be matches every day. For instance, on Friday, when I put out this episode, we're going to have an Arroca Ferenc from the, uh, Santa Maria the Fera. We'll have a Bisad versus uh, Boa Vista. Sunday, we have four matches. Uh, the most interesting one to me is Tundela versus Estoril. Sunday, we'll have four matches, which obviously, as we know, include Estrela Madura, Benfica, And then we also have a Passos de Ferreira against Casa Pia. And Porto, they will only get going on the 25th. And Porto will be playing at home to Mafra, who they just eliminated a short time ago in the Taça de Portugal. Sporting doesn't get going until the 30th. Uh, so they, they, you know, they still have a little bit of a, uh, break and, uh, sporting will be playing second place from the second division fade in and that's only on the uh, 30th. So plenty more time to talk about this, uh, next week. Uh, when I review the, um, you know, first off, I'll have a big preview next week on Portugal's first match versus Ghana. And I'll have plenty to say about the tasa of Liga, which again, will be accompanying uh, the world cup. And again, I like the tasa of Liga. I think for the fact that you know matches will be over with and then there'll still be plenty of the rest of the evening where they could have these matches that won't you know interfere with the portuguese Port- you know uh, with the world cup not to mention the fact and I know not everybody agrees with this but the idea of first division clubs just practicing and doing scrimmages playing other teams for training sessions for 5 weeks I'm just not a big fan of it and and I do realize some clubs are missing their best players but You just can't sit around for five weeks, just, you know, almost like a preseason, especially when you've already had three months of an actual season. So I think it was really smart. If, If you don't like the TASA, I think I would hope you agree that at least having it going on. At this time of the year, where it doesn't get in the way of the Liga, I think is a, a very, very good idea. And let me end it like I always do before we get going with my interview with uh, Cristiano. And that is, of course, my favorite club in Portugal that I follow in the districts. My dream is to follow them and to see if they can make their way up the tiers. They are in the districts, and then of course, Atlético do Jarcos last week a big win. They were losing at home. They were losing away to Castelhant three to two. They came back to win it. In the second half with two goals, and they remain undefeated with 27 points, nine wins, no losses, uh, 28 goals scored, 12 conceded for a plus 16. But Limianos continues to be on the heels, even though Atlético Cruz is already beating Limianos. Limianos is in second place with uh, 24 points, so they are uh, still in the uh, battle, and uh, that is in Atlético Cruz again. And Atlético Cruz this weekend, uh, they'll be playing. Um, they'll be playing away to a club called Uturiens. Not the Turiense the second division. This one has an extra S at the end. Uh, this is a team that's in 13th place uh, with a uh, goal differential of minus nine. Uh, so Atletico D'Arkuj will be having to uh, make the uh, trip uh, for this match. And by the way, I have to say one thing that I found very interesting about Arcus that I didn't know about. Uh, there's a player named Romario Crespo on Atletico D'Arkuj and his brother is Miguel Crespo, the Portuguese player who plays in Turkey for JJ and Fenerbahce and uh, his... uh Brother Miguel actually made the trip to Arcusa Valviz. He's back in Portugal for a little break time before he goes back to Turkey. And he was at the match this weekend. His brother, by the way, Romario, did score a goal in that four three win. So, uh, and I got to give credit to, even though I'm very critical that they don't broadcast their games on YouTube or in any other fashion that would let you watch the match. Uh, they do a good job at Cricosaraguziel putting on the goals at least on Facebook, and I think that's you know a pretty good uh, you know idea. Um, but uh, let me also just quickly wrap this up. Rumors um, about Cristiano uh, since I recorded my interview uh, with the original Cristiano Oliveira, But here, of course, we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Rumors now also Australia Club, Melbourne Victory, apparently reached out to Cristiano's representatives. I don't think anything's going to come of it, just like there's been rumors right into Miami. Uh, Cristiano wants to stay in Europe, but nevertheless that has been in the news. Uh, And um, we also saw, by the way, Antonio Silva in the uh, the Portugal winning the uh, friendly match against Nigeria, 4-0, Antonio Silva, 19 years old. And he's about to be the youngest Portuguese player to play in the World Cup, beating Hugo Viana, who's now the sports director at uh, Sporting. The question is, is will he get the start? I got about 10, nine of the 11 uh, players in uh, starting 11 against Nigeria right and um, I did have uh, Antonio Silva in there, so I'm glad I got it right. But I'll be curious to see if he's going to start next Thursday against Ghana. And again, I'll be dropping my next episode before that match, and I'll go into a lot of detail uh, about it. Uh, but again, going to be bringing up the interview coming up here now with Cristiano Oliver and apologies on my end, not necessarily his. I didn't do a good job with the microphone, but obviously you'll understand me. But again, I want to take this opportunity to thank Chris, Uh, had a chance to go do this in his man cave, Uh, did a little bit of drinking and got a chance to talk as always and uh, hang out and one of the real good guys uh, in the business. So I want you to enjoy this interview coming up again. It's about 70 minutes long. Listen to it in one sitting or listen to it in pieces. But here it is coming up in part two, my interview with Cristiano Oliveira. Part 2 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast and I'm glad to be back with a a special guest. I've had him on the episode before and um, a person I respect his opinion um, and I'm in his man cave right now. We're recording this episode on a a Thursday uh, right before Portugal plays uh, Nigeria and uh, Cristiano Oliveira 10, on 10 on Twitter. Welcome, Chris.
1: Joãozinho. What's going on, my man? Thank you for having me on.
0: No problem. And let me just forewarn everybody that uh, Chris and I, before we started this podcast, we indulged in a little bit of port wine and beirong. Yeah, licor beirong. So I don't know if that's going to make this episode better or worse, but I guess we'll find out after we're done whether or not...
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let me just say... Blame it on the alcohol. Never mind. That's afterwards.
0: Let's, uh, let, we'll see how it goes. But uh, by the way, I want to say, being here in your man cave, I want to compliment you for your kit collection. And I was looking at it before. And by the way, when you're around Cristiano, his phone never stops ringing. Stop it. And uh, the guy is, is really good. But Stop I'm looking it. at his kit collection. And, and the f- my favorite kit of all the ones you have, you have a bunch of Benfica that's autographed. But the one that I like the most, that to me looks the prettiest, is your Fenerbahce one. How'd you get that
1: one? The Role Merels. It it. That's Raul Medell's on the back Number 16, Fenerbahce um, I don't even remember how I got that To be brutally honest I forgot
0: And that MLS one, is that New York City FC? Yeah,
1: NYCFC. Right I, I got a bunch of those NYCFCs. Keaton Parks, my boy, signed a couple of them But the Madels, I got the Madels And the Angel Di Maria From Manchester United Those are authentic Those are official jerseys But I don't recall I don't remember how I got them So I just know I have them. They're there. They're nice. I was actually going to give one of them away on Twitter a while back, but it seemed like there wasn't much interest. So I just, I gave up and I decided to keep them. But besides that, forget the jerseys. I just wanted to, so, you know, you're giving my man Cave some props. This is the studio that we do the Benfica podcast right, from yep. every week. And did you know the name of the studio? Is named after an American goalkeeper that played at Benfica, Zach Thornton.
0: Zach Thornton, okay. We
1: call it Zach Tortu, the Zach Tortu Studio. <laughs> so we're recording live right now from the Zach Tortu Studio in my man cave.
0: Does he know this? Does Zach Thornton know this?
1: No, no. I, you know, I've thought about um getting him on. I actually reached out to to Freddie Adu, uh, but to no one's surprise, he never replied. But you know, Zach Thornton is a guy that's very reserved, doesn't have much activity on social media, if if, if at all. So um, yeah, he's been has been a little bit, a little bit difficult to get a hold of, but uh, yeah, we plan on hopefully one day having him on our podcast, on the Befika podcast, and letting him know that we named our studio after him, and we did name our chat on YouTube Live and whatever when we're recording the Bifiga podcast, we named it the Freddies after Freddie Adu. So we call our goons the Freddies. So
0: if you are Zach Thornton or you know Zach Thornton, please get word to him about this. I think this would be uh, pretty nice. Is that good? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, sounds better. Well, thank you, uh, Cristiano, for being back. And um, anytime, we're about to go on uh, pretty soon. In about a week, we have the uh, in terms of when Portugal plays the uh, World Cup. And uh, let me let me ask you a question to start. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are very unhappy that this World Cup is going to be played in. Uh, I call it Qatar. I've heard Qatar. Um, hey, Qatar. It's
1: not America. It's called Qatar.
0: Is it? Called? Yeah. That's I what we say it in America. I heard a Qatar, so I'm not really sure. I'm pretty
1: now. sure in other parts of the world they called Qatar, but we're yeah. in America. We pronounce it Qatar.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. That's it. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of controversy. We're going to be seeing uh, some protesting. I know the United States uh, did a training session with migrants, and we know, you know, Denmark. Um, but it's going to be unusual for us because we're used to big competitions in June, which our yeah. part of the world. It's warmer. Uh, we wake up in the morning, and that's uh, just uh, just a lot better. But uh, now this year, we're going to wake up at 5 in the morning.
1: Yeah, it's totally different.
0: You know, we're going to have the Cougar Millers in our But it's
1: not even about the timing, because we've had other tournaments, right? I remember, South sad- Korea. sadly enough, I remember 2002. Yep, USA. Getting up 5 o'clock in the morning, getting the game on TV, excited as anyone, in the meantime, my doorbell rings. I go open the door for my boys to come to my house at 5 o'clock in the morning, all to watch the Portuguese. By the time we came back up the stairs, we're losing 2-0 to the USA. Like what? I remember the f- that. What? Yo, what? So, yeah, I mean, we have not had great experiences with this time, but it's happened. The huge difference, though, that that was in the summertime. Now, for the very first time that we, at least in my lifetime, right, and that, any, that anyone could recall, we're having a freaking World Cup in the middle of the season, which is our winter I don't know what it is in Qatar, but over there is always hot. So regardless if it's yeah. a summer or winter, it's always hot. over. There. I mean, so much so that these guys are playing games in, in air-conditioned outdoor stadiums. I do not even know that was possible, but I guess it is. So uh, very interesting. Um, we'll see what comes of it, man.
0: Yeah, it's a very weird World Cup because, one, they only have about 10 days of training. You know, usually you get about three weeks. You play two or yeah. three matches. Yeah. And uh, there's so much about this that's weird, especially because of the fact that we already had a weird schedule to begin with because of COVID, and now we're going to have a weird World Cup schedule. And I guess it's good and bad in the sense that, look, at the end of the day, when the when the matches start, I think people will get excited. Um, but at the end of the day, obviously, there's controversy. And yep. let me just say before we get going, I'm a believer. I do believe in moving the World Cup around. Um, I'm not a fan of... You know, in this World Cup, it's in one country, but I know coming up in four years, it's going to be USA, Canada, and Mexico. Mexico. I'm a believer that you should just have one country do it. Um, one of the things that I don't like is um, I think the USA is getting like 50% of the matches. Maybe more. Maybe 60%. More. Maybe more. Yeah. But one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is whenever they host these international competitions, one of the things that I'm not a big fan of is that there's so much money spent to build the stadiums, to build the
1: infrastructure. Called the huge white elephants.
0: Yeah, and like in Portugal, you got Queenbara, you got Leiria. Yeah, got but
1: in Fadi. Portugal, it's okay because even though the teams that play there suck, right, to put it lightly. <laughs> but at least those stadiums are getting use they're out of it. Not a lot. But we're talking about the stadiums in like the Amazonas in Brazil. They built the huge, ginormous yeah. stadium for like two games. And they're not – it's not being – in. you know, there's no use. It's just – it's – look – in Qatar, maybe these stadiums don't get any use out of it. I know some of them are going to be uh, converted into to apartment buildings. I don't know. But that to me, man, look, it is what it is, John. To sit here and talk about what they do, what they spend money on. Look, any, any country or countries that want to host the likes of the World Cup, the likes of the Olympics, you're going to have to spend money on infrastructure. And... If they could afford, so, hey, it, it, like it's up to them. Obviously, I live in the United States of America. There's a lot of things that I don't approve on that, go, that goes on in other countries. It's like there's many people that don't approve of things that go on in the United States. It is what it is. I think at the end of the day, regardless of what country the World Cup is held in, regardless of what country the the, the Olympics are held in, there could be things that we could point at that those countries probably don't do right, that you would do different. Yeah, it, It's just a bunch of finger-pointing by crybabies. Right. That's all it is I mean I, I, I said it on Twitter a few uh, last week I believe when it was 12 days I remember I just happened to go on Twitter that day and it was just it, everywhere I turned every every tweet I scrolled through it was people crying about this and the World up this and the human rights this and da, da, da. and again I'm not saying that people aren't ultimately right and I agree with a lot of their takes but my stance was spare me. I mean, the World Cup was awarded to Qatar in 2010, and yeah, you waited to 12 ago. days before the World Cup kicks so, off to come out and cry. Yeah, like it's about me too. I gotta cry too. Like you had 12 years 12 to make years. a difference. You're gonna do it now. And then I've seen people on Twitter that Ronaldo and Messi they should make a stand, bro. As far as I know, Ronaldo and Messi aren't politicians. Yeah, they're footballers. And I get it, they have huge influence. But at the end of the day, they love football just like you and I love football. They want to partake in the World Cup. This is their dream. Both players have not won the the competition. That's all they really need. That's the one title missing in their cabinet. And you're expecting these guys to come out all of a sudden and beat up politicians that FIFA weren't, that the people, the authorities in place should have done their homework and their due diligence. They didn't. And now you expect the footballer to do so? Yeah. I mean, guys, guys. You're giving these guys too much credit at the end of the day. Cristiano and Messi are Cristiano and Messi because they could kick a ball, it's not because what they could do in a classroom or what they could do in a building. Like, these guys are footballers,
0: yeah. They play football,
1: blame the authorities,
0: yeah. And they're getting older, it's not like you know they
1: want to play in this competition, they're getting it's, older. It might be the last one, it could be, yeah, exactly. It could and be then. the last one. They don't care if it's winter, spring, they don't, they don't care if it's in Siberia, if it's a, they just want to play, yeah. And at the end of the day, they're following through with, with you listen, the organizers decided it's here. They might not be happy. Maybe they have their own personal views on it. But at the end of the day, they're footballers. Yeah. Let the authorities that that be, those are the guys that have to take care of it. it's not up to a footballer. And like I have a huge problem. Like with USA now, this training and stuff. Bro, look, now you had 12 freaking years. Yeah. And, look, and I'm a firm believer. Last topic. I'm a firm believer. And again, I'm not in no way, shape, or form. Condoning what goes on in that country, no way. I, I feel terrible for the people that lost their lives. Right, all of that, bro. I, my my heart goes out to everyone that's gotten screwed in this whole deal. Okay, and that's a lot of people. But the way I look at it, bro, when you come to my house for dinner, and I ask you to take off the shoes, you take off your shoes. Yeah, right. If you don't like it, leave. Don't come in. If you have that big, of, don't go. Don't partake in the world because it's gonna send a bigger message than any one player not playing in the World Cup. And if you really have that huge problem, don't show up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the World Cup is, uh, obviously, it's one of the marquee events of all time across I anything. It's not
1: one of, to me, to us soccer fans, yeah, it's deep. It, it's it's deep.
0: gained a lot, at least in this country, it's gained a, a lot of thought. And by the way, as we talk, Cristiano pouring more port good job, good job, good job. It's for him. I don't drink it.
1: For uh, <laughs> John. It's totally for John.
0: But, um, yeah, but look, at the end of the day, this is going to happen. It's being played in, uh, at least for us in North America, you know, the first game is at 5 a.m. I don't think I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. to watch any matches, but certainly i'll probably get up for maybe one or two but you know there's there's this here. great
1: thing called dvr you know
0: oh absolutely and uh, and by the way portugal will be playing at 11 for us here thanksgiving on thanksgiving day.
1: day i love it but it's but it's going to get in between nfl games so i don't like that aspect of it but because as you know it's a tradition thanksgiving you sit down stuff your stomach stuff your mouth i should say right all the time and you watch american football Look, I'll welcome a a a, a a a soccer game, a football, a world, our football game anytime, and in particular, a World Cup game. Absolutely. But, but it is interfering with what our traditions really are yeah, that yeah. one day. The other days I don't really care, but that one day I care. But look, it's going to be beautiful. I get to watch football and then football all day long. So, I mean, no complaints from me.
0: I like how you said football and then football. Football, football you and so football. We don't want to upset anybody in Europe. Whenever I say the word soccer, I seem to upset a lot of people.
1: Troops always gets pissed off at me. He calls me an inbred. <laughs> calls me an inbred because I say soccer. He's like, you're an inbred, mate. Blah, blah. It's football. It's football, not football, not not soccer. So.
0: Whatever. And by the way, we're talking about troops from, uh, well, he does, his, is he still on Arsenal? Well, I call it, I call is it still he Arsenal still? Still fan TV. No, he's
1: no longer with them. He's with Barstools. So he's with
0: Barcelona Sports. Sports, yeah, which yeah. is based, I know, out of here. Yeah, he made. He's
1: yard. back. He's back in the United States. He spent the last couple of uh, weeks back in the UK with his family, and hof- hopefully, he had a great time over there. But yeah, he's back. So I'll I'll be bothering him soon enough. We'll be probably putting out some content uh, World nice. Cup related.
0: Well, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, and we're going to be jumping around different categories. The World Cup. I want to talk about the Tasa, the league. I want to talk also about my feelings. And I know you, being a big Benfica fan, you bleed red. Am I Antonio I mean. Silva? No, you're you're definitely up okay. there. And, uh, you know, we're going to jump around, Cristiano, what's going on with all this controversy. The other Cristiano,
1: not the original, because I'm the original. You're definitely the original. Okay, you just, just want to make sure. before, the yeah.
0: Cristiano, we know. People
1: we have to let the listeners know. Yeah, we, we yeah, just, just want to clarify The other that. Cristiano, not me. I'm not the one causing all this uh, ruckus around <laughs> the world. Well, let's do this. Let's start off
0: first. And I want to start off, like I said, we're going to be jumping around to topics. And I will be putting out another podcast next week, uh, previewing the uh, first match against Ghana. So consider this to be the pre uh, World Cup episode, uh, preview edition. And I want to talk about something that just happened this past Monday, Chris, where Fabio carvalho and we're obviously talking about the under-21 now, um, the Federation put out a uh, short statement basically saying that Fabio did not show up to under-21 camp in, uh, in Algarve, that apparently he has decided against playing uh, for Portugal and that he notified the Federation via text, which I know upset a lot of people, Although, I think anybody under the age of 25 don't understand why there would be any
1: chances. Yeah, yeah, that's above, all they use is to...
0: You know? Um, but let's just start here and, and work our way up to uh, the uh, World Cup. And um, let me say first off that... Uh, and, then, and then, by the way, just before we came on this uh, podcast, we had a conversation. Oh, I was reading on the internet about the fact that Fabio Carvalho apparently doesn't think there's any benefit. I, so didn't, I didn't see not see It just came out with... Literally, as we're about okay. to go. we're doing this on Thursday afternoon... And there was talk of that he doesn't see a benefit for playing for the under-21. And that's one of the reasons why he made that decision. He's delusional. Yeah. And, you know, let me say this. So for a lot of people who don't know, he moved to England in 2013. Um, he was playing for Fulham. Marco Silva gets hired. Marco Silva puts in a good word with the Federation. He goes to play for the under-21 of Portugal. Even at, This is after he had he played represented England, England in the youth, youth ranks. Youth, yes. And that's another conversation about To me, I know when it comes to the senior level, once you play for the senior level, that's it, you're done. But I know with the youth level, it's different. I don't agree with that. I think once you play for a country, end of story. But he has made a decision that he doesn't, and apparently there's an opportunity for him to play for, I guess, England 21 and eventually play for England. Um, Is this a big loss for Portugal in the long term? I mean, he's a good talent. He plays for Liverpool, which in itself, by (sighs) the way... You know, by the way, if he was still playing at Fulham, I don't think he leaves the under-21. But look. But now he's playing for Liverpool, yeah. which is one of the biggest clubs well, in the world. Well, here's
1: playoffs. the thing. Here's the thing. This, this to me, there's two sides to it, right? There's the Portuguese in me that looks at it like, you know, what an idiot. You know what I mean? Were you really thinking you deserved to call up to the main squad? Like, did you really think you were going to be on one of the 26 on the way to Qatar to represent Portugal at the senior level? I mean, come on. You're delusional. Um... But the other side of me is like, bro, he's within his right. He doesn't have to play for a while. He didn't want to represent Portugal at the U21 level because his his, his, his hopes were that he'd uh, obviously represent the senior squad. And and again, look, at the end of the day, he could turn around and make a decision to represent Portugal again if the main squad, if the seniors call him up. So maybe we're sitting here a year from now looking at this as a non-story and he is part of the senior squad and he's made his full debut. So, uh, this some of me wants to really pay attention, and of it, uh, the other side is like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I just think the dude's delusional. It, it, that's really my biggest take from it is he's delusional if he thinks he, you know, if he's upset and now he doesn't want to play for the U twenty ones because some ways some form, some shape, whatever, he thought that he'd be part of the main squad. He's just he's kidding yeah. himself. Look, he's a nice player. Portugal be all right. We got a bunch of other yeah, nice we players. Got more than he was just that. He would add to that. But, again, I, I, I don't know the kid personally. I don't know what his feelings are towards England. Maybe he's got some type of attachment. I, I don't know. I, honest to God, I don't know. But, yeah, it could be a non-story a couple months down the line.
0: Yeah, so he pulled off this uh, surprise on Monday night. Rui George was upset, um, very disappointed, especially because he notified them via text. Which, you know, again... Yeah, show uh, no respect, no class. Yeah, I think, you know, th- there's a lot of people I know. I've spoken to some people about this. And, you know, it seems like everybody under 25 years old doesn't see an issue with this since everybody's already texting with each other. But I think, for me, he should have... Look, he played four... Ca- he played. Uh, he had four caps for them, and he scored two goals. So he's obviously very 21s. successful for the under-21s. But I think, for me, to send a text and to do it that way, um, I, just, I just find something very... There was, when I put out the tweet about it announcing, you know, the federation, uh, I, I linked to the federation statement. There was a lot of people that thought it was very, that's not the way you handle it.
1: But here's a real question. Should anyone at this point be surprised that Portuguese players have shown no class, in particular the last over the last week?
0: Right, right. <laughs> and you're obviously talking about...
1: I mean, the, the, the class in Portugal just does not go in the same sentence lately because it seems these guys don't think, they just react, Right. They don't get anyone advising him correctly. Seems like it's a kid that sent out a text message and then it's a text message. But again, there's ways to go about doing these things. There's professionalism. And uh, where was his agent in all this? Yeah. I mean, like, is his agent not involved. Did he really just act out on his own and if bump it? I don't want to play like, hey, guys, thanks. Thanks. But no thanks. I mean, there's got to be some thought behind this and there's got to be someone in his corner advising him how to go about it professionally. And clearly, you know, if there was, he decided to ditch it. <laughs> just like Cristiano, if there was anybody advising him, he decided to ditch that advice because his disastrous uh, interview that he just came out with Piers Morgan, obviously. So it's just, I, I, look, man, it is it is what it is. At this point, he's another one amongst a bunch of tremendous young players that Portugal have. And, and, and maybe he's the one that will be regretting it down the line. But I think it could also be a non-story because... Just like he said no, he can say yes tomorrow. Yeah. So we and could be a few thing. months in. We'll
0: say uh, they, they, Portugal, if he's, if he's banging it in at Liverpool, Portugal will say they, yes.
1: Yeah, they'll say yes. Yeah, you know, they'll uh, say yes. Any country who yeah. says yes. I mean, these, any country welcomes good players.
0: Yeah, does it matter. Yep.
1: Unless you're Rafa and Fernando Santos don't watch but.
0: <laughs> that, or you. Or he in calls you. And like, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, let me say, first off, regarding uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and um, obviously we know at this point. Uh, his bombshell interview. And you could watch the bombshell interview, by the way, on Piers Morgan, uh YouTube channel. And I had an opportunity. And by the way, when we're recording this, only part one has come out. There's still a part two to this. Ooh, this is
1: like the... P- yo. You're really trying to be Piers Morgan and I'm Cristiano. <laughs> but you're not Piers. You're you're João. Just João. I'm, yeah. I'm a nobody. But is João... The same as, like, peers in English? Is like the, the is that the no, Portuguese version? No, No. no? It's just, it's just all right. But that's what you're trying to do, part one, part two.
0: No. Nah. Well, no, I'm giving a shout-out because I think uh, if people want to watch it, it is available on uh, YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what fascinates me about the Cristiano is, number one, he's definitely not coming back to Manchester. There's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of things I want to say about this, and I want to get your comment. But here's my biggest worry about Cristiano. I've been talking about this since the summer. Anyone who listens to my podcast on a weekly basis knows that I've been talking about this on a consistent basis. Cristiano, for me, is one of the best players of all time. I'm not going to get into a conversation with Messi, but I think what gives Cristiano Ronaldo the edge is that he won an international competition before Messi did.
1: But, so did Messi. It took him four straight tries. I mean, they held the Copa. Right, the but culpa. Cristiano
0: won it first. <laughs> Cristiano actually won two, well, if you count the Nations League. He won two cups before Messi won the first big. But was
1: he cup. even on the Nations League roster? I don't remember him Cristiano
0: being... did play in the final. He didn't oh, play he did. in the groups.
1: Oh, okay, okay. He did not play yeah, in I the Yeah, I know groups, there was something there. But,
0: but. he did play... When Portugal hosted the Nations League and they beat Switzerland and then they beat was it Holland I think in the Holland football? in the final he did play those matches but okay. he did not play in the three group previous matches, the group
1: okay uh, okay I knew there was something I just didn't recall but I knew there was something with him not playing
0: but Cristiano for everything he's done all the records he has set how many times he has built out Portugal um, Cristiano's career has always been on a high yeah he's always I mean he's got more followers than I think than anybody on Instagram. And he's, he's the type of person that could walk down any street in the world and have to get protection because the guy, everybody knows him. Yeah. Um, but what really makes me sad about Kind of like
1: me, down my block.
0: Oh, that happens to yeah. you. I, by the way, I can confirm On my block, on my block. Because when we were walking down the street here. After Nobody we even through, we'll knows the me on my block. Wine,
1: my neighbors don't even know me, but go ahead. You on. know,
0: they're <laughs> like, hey, there's Cristiano. But um, my thing with Cristiano is um, I feel like in the last few months, his name has been dragged through the mud. hmm I think that his, you know, when you think about him playing for Manchester United before he went to Real Madrid and the beautiful story that it was, and now he's leaving Manchester United on bad terms. They just took away a mural of him yeah. outside of Old Trafford, and I it wasn't
1: think, a mural, man. It was it was th- that advertisement that that well, there was something that plastic that they do like the wrap, right? That they do around the stadiums. I mean that that gets changed. Every few well, months. apparently this
0: happened while this was going on. Yeah, then.
1: this happened like two days ago. Right. But I don't know. And so, mural is like something that's dedicated to... Like, that was just advertising a rap that they put with him and a few players from the team. I mean, every club does that. So, I don't think... Like, a mural to me, I look at a as something that's just strictly him. That was something so that gets like was, moved.
0: He was very big in it, though. Yeah, he was. I Supposedly. mean, he's the
1: face of the club. He's, you know, obviously the biggest star name-wise, at least, on that club at the moment they're going to advertise around them. They're going to promote because they want people to season tickets, Yeah, the whole not. But look, to me, uh, w- what else do people expect Man United to do after that I mean, bombshell? They have show? no
0: choice. They have no choice.
1: I mean, Ronaldo, the crazy thing about Cristiano, Ronaldo, whatever, is that most people that understand football, understand what's going on at Man United, they have been paying attention to what's going on at Man United, will actually side with him and agree with a lot of his criticism. There's very few, at least in that first part, because I heard the peers put something out that he said some some dumb shit about Messi. And we we'll, can't wait to see what that is. But um, at least in the first part, what he said, all the criticism, people, people would agree with what he's saying. No one's criticizing him for having those. opinions. It's more of a timing. It's more of right. why do it now?
0: Well, it, I think it, I know why he's doing it.
1: Now. He really wants to leave. That's why. But you wait to leave.
0: Well, I, I, he's doing it because when he comes back from the World Cup, it's going to be the end of December when they start playing again. The transfer window opens up on January the 1st. Uh-huh. So if you're going to do it.
1: But you do it after you leave. Like, I actually, you heard me on the phone. I was on the phone with somebody in Portugal, former international, and he told me, obviously, he's not spoken to Cristiano about this, but he believes that for Cristiano to do this is because he's already ha- he already has something lined up.
0: We'll, we'll see, I guess.
1: We'll see. But regardless if he has something lined up or he doesn't, my opinion is that he should have waited until he gets the move, until he gets his way out. And then once he moves in, then you can release that. Then that's fine. But you don't do it now. You don't crap all over your teammates. You don't crap all over the club that pays you. And at the end of the day, you can really, if you really want to get down to it and look at, what this interview really means is that he himself is taking a crap on the club that present. I mean, I know Sporting, but but United is the club that really presented him to the world. You Re- Un- that whole thing started at United, even though he's a really good young player for the half a season at Sporting, yada yada. But we don't know how his career would have turned out. The fact is, we know how he turned out. He'd be spectacular at United, and yes, a lot of it has to be his credit, but the club itself gave him a huge platform, It's man United. And you can kind of take it as he's not being respectful of that as well.
0: Yeah, I think what's happened, in my opinion, is that by doing it now and then all of a sudden this is going to be overshadowed by the World Cup and then you come back after the World Cup at the end of December and everybody knows he's not going to be with the club, what's done is done. By then there's not as much intensity as there is now about this news and then it's easier for him to make that transition to the new club because let's say he goes to a Chelsea or a Bayern. Again, we don't know where he's going to go. PSG, let's just say hypothetical. The club that's going to get him is going to also be dealing with this swarm of attention. Now everybody accepts the fact that he's not going to come back. You've got five or six weeks where no one's going to be talking about it because they're going to be talking about the World Cup. And now it's easier for that new club that gets him to basically accept him and know that everybody knew already he was going to leave. So this is going to be easier. But
1: see, uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I, quite, I don't quite look at it that way no, I mean, because I'm, now clubs might want to clubs that were interested previously might not want to touch him now. Yeah, because change. he's destructive He scores five goals in the World Cup They're He's gonna still destructive him. He's going to come you, in and uh... destroy my locker room Why do I want this guy now? Yeah. Look at what he's done to a club that's that's showcased them And presented him to the world What's he going to do to me? So as long as Cristiano is happy Everything's fine But the minute you're not happy You're going to go around and bash everybody There could be clubs that could very well turn their back on him Because of that There's coaches that don't want that distraction in the locker room
0: Well that's the reason why he never changed clubs this summer think about it if there were if there was a manager at a big club that wanted him this summer it would have happened already Uh, but it didn't happen
1: here's the thing I I think I think Ronaldo would have found a a, a suitor if maybe he dropped his demands a little bit but obviously there's only a handful of teams that can pay that type of money to a star and uh, look he could uh, Do you think money's the reason
0: I don't believe it's the money. Look, this here, guy's
1: got a ton of money. He wants to.
0: He does not want to leave, brother, and go play for your Thursday night football,
1: brother. Let me. But he, that's what he's doing though.
0: <laughs> right, but if he leaves and he goes to a bigger club,
1: but, but brother, here's here's the thing, John, and you know this. You've, you you know, you're around the Knicks. You're around major sports in the United States. You've been around a lot of athletes yourself. And to you and I, he's got a lot of money, right? To you and I, but to these guys. That paycheck, them zeros at the end of the paycheck, that's how they feel that they earn respect. That's Brian. that's what they care. They don't care about oh, I got plenty of money. I can no, no. They they want to be at that level because that's how they feel they earn the respect. It's not by John telling them that you got enough money, take a pay cut. They don't care. They don't want to hear none of that stuff. And we see, you see, like in Major League Baseball, for example, yeah, Fernando Tatis who signed for three hundred forty million. Very next year, Francisco Lindor gets traded to the Mets. Right. And he signed the identical deal, shorter term though, but he signed a, but it was about the value at the end of the contract. And so he signed for 341. It had to be a million more. Right. Than the, and like, does it really make a difference? I mean, you got a shitload of money at 340 regardless. No, it had yeah. to be because I had to be over a highest paid. So this is how these athletes think. And just like you talk about young kids under twenty-five and not understanding they're sending somebody uh, an important notice, an important message, right? Via text message, not professional, those kids don't understand, right? Right. It's the same thing with footballers in their own world. Right. In their own,
0: which we don't understand. We don't understand. We don't have that. Exactly.
1: Type of money. So when you say Cristiano's got plenty of money, yeah, but if that was the case, then Cristiano could have found. Bro, there's there's 50 teams that will line up to take Cristiano Ronaldo at their price, not at his though. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, but I think what's happening is, is that he's running out of choices, he's getting older. And if he doesn't have a great World Cup, he's got to settle for whatever is available to him. And in order to do that, he's probably going to have to give up a lot of his salary because no one's going to want to spend, pay $2 million a month.
1: But that's then. Yeah. That's not now. You know. That's then. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That'll be a reality that he might have to face. But the fact is that when he released this interview with Piers Morgan, in his, in his reality at the moment, that's not the case at all. Right. In his reality, he thinks that he can still go to a top team and earn top bank. Right, but then when your the options are limited, and the money's not there, then he's gonna have to make a decision. Then he's gonna have to take. But yeah. then, but now he's screwed though, because if let's say he would have kept his mouth shut and tried to get his way out in January, and those options weren't there, and money is important to him, he would have just sucked it, sucked it up, and made the money. Now he's got no choice because I mean, they might, they very well might come after him for just cause.
0: No, they might. I know they they're, might. they're talking about his life. Well. They might terminate his contract and, and, and for just what's, cause. What's really sad is for everything he has done, for all the records he has set, he has done so many great things. And look, this is a guy that community relations wise is awesome. Mm-hmm. The guy will take advantage of, of greeting his fans. He's paid for surgeries of people mm-hmm. who need it. But I'm afraid that all the recent negativity overshadows that. And. You know they said that about they say that about a lot of athletes. Uh, when you're at the end of your career and the athlete, the great athlete, isn't ready to give it up and the club wants to move on, it overshadows everything they've done. They said that about Derek Jeter. They've said that about. other But people. it is
1: always easy to destruct than it is to put up.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just too bad. And uh, his, I worry about his legacy. And where's he going to go next? There was a report this morning, believe it or not, Australia, the club that Nani was in was interested in <sighs> Melbourne him. Melbourne or whatever. Melbourne Victory. Ay, Jesus. Um, look. Australia, big country. Um, it's another world for him. You know, he could go to China, but who knows what the he's world better going off. off right now.
1: If it comes down to Australia, China, Qatar, one of those, Saudi he's better off just coming to the MLS.
0: Yeah, and uh, we were talking about this before we came in, and I said that if he were to come to MLS, he needs to come to New York. And New York has two teams. The second team in New York just announced the other day they're building a stadium. Yeah, but that
1: I didn't even tell. I didn't even think about this then when you and I were talking. But I thought about it afterwards. By the time that stadium is complete, he's retired. Yeah, no, I. Guess so that doesn't mean that he's still going to have to be playing in baseball fields, which I don't know what? think he wants to.
0: Playing for New York's New York City FC, and knowing that he's playing for them legitimizes them spending that money on that stadium. Um, but that's just you know my opinion, but.
1: It's just too bad. I think if anything he wants... uh, Look, Miami is obviously a very possible destination for him. And then the L.A. teams. I I think New York is really out of the question. He's
0: got to go. I'm sorry. He has an
1: apartment in Manhattan, just so you know.
0: New York, with all due respect, and we're probably being biased because we live in this area. With all due respect, L.A., I get the whole Hollywood thing, especially if he wants to do movies. And that's probably the next thing you do when you can't play. Miami has that beautiful South Beach flavor to it, living on a beach and... But New York's the capital of the world. with all will respect.
1: I agree, but on many but levels. But if he comes to New York, he's just another one. And Ronaldo, no, no, no. He would take over this city. And, and Renal- Renal- Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldo not the type of character that just wants to be another one. You see, by by him releasing this, this, this interview, the guy wants to be in the spotlight. And he would in New York. He wouldn't because he's playing soccer. If if let me tell if you, if he's what? playing basketball, even hockey, oh, I get he it. He would get attention in New York.
0: Soccer, uh, I'm not sure. Get, if look, I remember this guy a few blocks from where I lived walking down the street shopping, and I remember people coming up to me, "Hey, Cristiano Ronaldo's walking three blocks away," and the whole neighborhood went crazy. And
1: let's be honest. Let's be honest yeah. about something. If you're going to move, right? If you're going to come to the United, do you really want to be in this in this horrible weather that's about to come? Negative ten and and three feet of he snow. In Madrid. I mean, he lived, but Madrid, but Madri- but, cold. Like, but not that cold. But he's at Real Madrid. You know, he's in the. cold. But so. he's come on. It's Real Madrid, bro. No, I get I, I mean, you'd put up with the cold weather at Madrid, and it was never nowhere near as cold as here. You're going to put up with it. If you're going to move to the MLS, you want to be in the sunshine. You want to be where the stars are in L.A. You're talking about expanding his brand, his, his CR7 Underwear's Cueca's brand, right? It's in L.A. Have you bought
0: his CR7 Cueca?
1: No, because <laughs> my my six-packs don't fit in it. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, in New York, you pay crazy high taxes. Right. A lot of athletes now staying away from New York. Well, they live in Jersey. You got the cold, right? It's just, I don't think it's the destination it used to be.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I and then think-
1: the fact that NYC does not have a stadium, you telling me this guy's going to want to play in Harrison? I Thierry lo- Henry did.
0: I would love to see him with the Red Bulls, and I say that because you know I have an emotional connection to the Red Bulls yeah. at any level. But uh, let me just say this. It's just very sad to see Cristiano at this point in his career... Ronaldo, oh, not me, Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's very sad that he's being surrounded by this controversy, and I think he had a lot to a lot to get off his chest. And um, look, he goes to the World Cup, and he's Cristiano Ronaldo, and he scores five or six goals, and you know he's going to score goals. The question is how many. I think that's going to help him with his, you know, possible career. But
1: yeah, I mean, uh, if he lifts the World Cup for Portugal, yeah, everything will be forgotten, and it'll be like, I think, it, crazy enough. If and I predict Portugal's going to win the World Cup, and I'll tell everybody uh, after the World Cup whether they win it or not, why I predicted they would win the World Cup. But I kind of have, if Ronaldo lifts the World Cup, the dude might just sail away into the sunset. He might just he disappear. But
0: no, he would definitely come to MLS.
1: No, but I'm talking. just talking about it. leave it up bro. You're at. The, you're never going to be any higher than you are right now. This is the the highest of the highest. Right? You're at the top. Everything you do after this is just going to be disappointment. Just leave. Bounce. Yeah. He might just, honestly grab that, put it, put it in his back, and walk away into the sunset.
0: Well, I'll tell you, both of us, as we know, we would love to see him have that problem. Oh, yeah, I love that he would leave. Yeah, he, yeah, would, of course. Would go without saying. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the Sailor's Song now. And um, let me say this, Chris, because again, I talked about this last week. And again, anybody that listens week to week, uh, I always say, by the way, it's too bad you can't Google what somebody says in a podcast because then you could go back and prove that you did say it. But,
1: but you can. You can go listen to it and cut it.
0: Yeah, but you got to... Well, no, but you if you don't cut it, which I don't, my point is, is one of the things about it is week to week, I think my theme is the same and I talked last week about Antonio Silva and I wanted to get you because you, again, read, bleed red, Benfica. Am I the only one that's a little bit... And By the way, someone might cut this part out and make it <laughs> seem like I'm Antonio Silva negative, but I'm really not... Um, First off, let me say, Antonio Silva, fantastic talent. Mm -hmm. His first start against Boavista, he picks up a yellow in the fourth minute. He manages to hold on the rest of the match, and he does well. He plays against Galvez in the Tasa de Portugal. He makes that mistake.
1: He manages to hold on. But does he make a mistake, though, in that game? Everybody says he makes a mistake. But was it really a mistake? Because here's the thing. You could pull Pele... In that situation, Diego Mar- Maradona is special. That guy could, could, could control a ball with the highest of the highest after a nightclub all day. But the fact is, if you go back and look at that play, right before he traps the ball, tries to control it, the, the ball takes a bounce on the grass. That can happen to anybody.
0: But it happened.
1: No, it did. But is it is his fault. Like, a mistake is something that it's on you.
0: Right, right, right.
1: And I'm not defending, because I criticize him. There's a mistake he does in that same play. That nobody talks about, which was the when he comes in after the ball skips over his foot and the 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 college, college player picks it up and yeah. he and he he goes for a slide tackle, and in the way that he did so, I thought he should have come in with his right foot, and I think if he would have come in with his right foot, he probably would have most likely intercepted the ball. But no, he comes in with his left. So his form was like if he did anything wrong was in in the way in which he tackled the player. I don't blame him for the trap. If there's a mistake that you could really single-handedly point at at, at Antonio Silva, it's the stupid attempt at a tackle in Park the Prince was in Paris against Paris Saint-Germain. That's the one thing I can really say. Inexperience cost him right then and there.
0: That's what worries me. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy for the kid. Because we all know that young Portuguese players—that's what drives social media. That's what brings more attention to the league. No one cares.
1: The youngest ever to play for the Portuguese national yes.
0: team. Yes. No one cares about a Benfica Meritimo match, but if you talk about Antonio Silva or you talk about Bernardo Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, people love Portugal. I know people in my everyday life that if you mention the big names in Portugal, they get excited. But if you sit there and say, "Did you ever watch, you know, Benfica Rio Nobody cares. But I get it. But my point is, is. What happens if, heaven forbid, Ruben Diaz or Pep gets hurt? And now Antonio Silva's playing in a knockout stage match. Is he not too young to be on that stage, Chris?
1: Look, here's the thing. I, I, I think I said on the Bifika podcast myself that um, I would have been okay if he was if he was left out of the, 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 the Conflictoria. He's 18 years old, talking about a player that's been a professional for three months. Um, last year he was winning the, the Champions League at the youth level. Could be a case of a little too much too soon. I totally understand that side of it, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, when you sit down to the nitty gritty and you look at the situation, facts are facts, right? At the end of the day, there's no wage limit to how you play, and he's been spectacular. And what were the alternatives? Fifty-year-old Jose, Jose—he's
0: more experienced. He's done pretty well with Lil,
1: but he's freaking forty.
0: No, no, no. But here's the thing: totally
1: understand. Bro, and at it, the
0: end it, of the day, who's gonna, who has the probability of making the least mistakes?
1: It, but this kid hasn't made mistakes. He made one mistake. Yeah,
0: I just, I worry. Look, let me say this. Okay. Bro, here's the thing.
1: The fact is that, like, you really were gonna call 39 year old one Really? That's the alternative for that. You're right. Play the 18 year old because that kid's got the next 15 years of on your national team. What, what are you worried about a 39 year old that's got no future with 20, your 70, squad? unless you're days Pep. Of first team action. It, and he's been spectacular. Yeah.
0: It's true, but I just I bro. That's know.
1: the thing. Like, why why does Portugal do this? When you look at other national teams, Spain's taking a bunch of young kids. Other night, bro. When you're good, you're good. It is what it is. And I, I I totally understand your reservation. I do. I'm not saying John, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about, bro. I'm totally discarded. No, I I I sympathize. I understand. But the fact is that, bro, when you're good, there's no age limit. And, yes, he made a mistake in Park the Prince. And, and ever since then, that mistake that everybody wants to call a mistake, that can happen to Pep. That could happen to – that would have most likely happened to Pep. That would have happened to Zephunt. That would have happened to – at the last second, the ball takes a hop on the ground. There's nothing you could do. You're expecting the ball one way Maybe their reactions, their reflexes are quicker. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But, again, to sit here and not to call a kid because – he might commit a mistake. Is asinine. What if I put it on the other side? What if he doesn't make a mistake?
0: I hope he doesn't. I just but again, make- players
1: make mistakes all day.
0: I know, I know. My point is, is I think of all the options that they had, what gives us the best opportunity to win? And in the World Cup, I just think the kid is a little bit too young. Now, I hope I'm wrong.
1: So he played against Mbappe, Messi, and Neymar. It started loose. Flawless.
0: That match? F- yes.
1: Flawless. Then, then he played another 94 minutes against a, a Messi-less team that day. Messi didn't play, but it's still against Mbappe, it's still against Neymar, right? And he committed one mistake in 98 minutes. And that's really what we're harping on is one mistake in 90 and 90. What's that? 180? So in extra time. So in 190 minutes, the kid committed one mistake against absolute superstars. And that's what we want to focus on.
0: Yeah, but here's why. The World Cup is nothing but superstars.
1: But that's fine. But, again, you... Bro, I have to 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 t- 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 repeat. I understand where you're right. coming from. But we can't live on what-ifs. We can't live... And in, 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 in Fran Santos, who's a butcher, who I'm not a fan of, has to make a decision right now right. of who gives me the best opportunity. And the fact is, none of them are the other guys that you could have called up in his place made a stronger case than he has. I think his three months at that level, right, spoke for themselves. I would have been okay if he didn't get called up. I'm the first one to tell you. But it wasn't like we left off Ruben, uh, Ruben Diaz. Then I would have understood. But what's the option? that Font, Diak Jallo? Favio freaking Cardozo, all of a sudden, all of a, the guy was a butcher last year, and all of a sudden he's a superstar. Because he, I mean, are you kidding me? That's really what you're worried about? Enassi uh, from Sporting, who's in freaking eighth place, who's been a butcher all week, all year long. You talk about Antonio Silva committing one mistake. How many mistakes have these guys committed? Does anybody go through their mistakes with a fine comb? Because if you did, I'm pretty sure you'd find more than one mistakes, than one mistake in a three month span. So, look, I, I think it's just he's been fiquista, and and everybody always has something to say in a positive or in a negative way, and it it, it is what it is. Other countries call up 17 year olds, nobody questions. Because if you're good, you're good. Yo, the kid has played at a level that warranted a national team call-up. My one hesitation with calling Antonio Silva up to the Portuguese national team is the fact that, bro, I I just can't picture someone making his debut in a World Cup. I mean, it's just yeah, asinine. It's
0: tough. I think that's part of it with me, yeah.
1: But he made he's making it today. He's in today's starting lineup against yeah, Nigeria. Against Nigeria. So he's really not making it. But it it's, to me, whether it's today and it's dude, it's the World Cup break. So that's really what he's made. But until the kid proves or shows me that he can't play at this level, I gotta assume that he can because he's been doing it for three months. So all the other conversation about everybody else, bro, spare me.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Obviously, I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, but when he's he, probably not even going to play. He probably won't play unless, heaven forbid, somebody gets hurt. But I just think for me um, it's an interesting choice because Fernando Santos, you know, he's always gone with, you know, He's always gone with the regular set of players, you know. He always went with William when a lot of people felt someone else should play, and he's been always, he's been very loyal to certain players. And I think maybe the criticism of the fact that you know we obviously didn't see that we didn't like the way things ended with the Nations League, we had to go to a playoff. How does Portugal go to a playoff to qualify for the World Cup? So maybe Fernando Santos finally relented, and this is an example of him relenting where he keeps out Fernando Sanchez, who by the way has been when he's played for the national team at the tournament level. He hasn't played in a World Cup.
1: That's yet. the one
0: that's the surprising.
1: That's the one move that everybody should be focusing on and criticizing. Instead, they rather criticize and poo poo on a player that's been performing all year in Antonio Silva. If Antonio Silva played at any one at any other 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 two rivals, nobody would be making a big shafu about. But since it's been Fika, somebody's got because always gotta say something. How in the world is Renato Sanchez not on this Portuguese national team. You tell him he hasn't played much of late, that's fine. He's He's been injured, but when he's healthy, he's performed. And then you got a kid like Mateus Nunes who doesn't play at Wolverhampton. It's one thing not playing at PSG it's another thing not playing at Wolverhampton. That's who you're calling? It makes no sense. Portugal has one midfielder with that characteristic, and it's Renato yeah. Sanchez. He doesn't get called up. He's been your best player in the last two tournaments. Yes, the two Euros. And you don't, it's just, it's asinine. And look. <laughs> to bring this back to Cristiano. When Renato joins PSG, they ask who's the best player in the world and he said Messi. It's it's no coincidence to me He doesn't get called up. You can't voice your opinion against Cristiano. Once the sergeant speaks, that's it. So mm. there's people that, that are saying that's the reason why he's not on the national. I like to think that's not what it is. But at the end of the day, in all seriousness, Renato Sanchez should be on this team. You could definitely make an argument he should be there over a few guys, and it makes no sense. I don't understand why he's not. Yeah. But that's really the only guy that's been left off this roster that we should be having a conversation about. It should not be about Josef Fontiak, Jalot, Fabio Cardozo. Are you kidding me, man? Come on. You all play in the same – well, uh, uh, Jalot plays in France, but the other guys, Cardozo, Ininas, they play in the same league as he does, and this kid looks better than they do. He plays a lot better than they have. He's played spectacular. Why are you even questioning it? I don't like it because of the experience fact, but at some point you gotta play, you gotta make it, you gotta make a debut sometime, and until the kid proves to me that he can't play, I'm gonna assume that he can. So.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, it's shame about uh, Renato, and uh, definitely I think Fernando Santos has changed the way he does things because of all the criticism he's received. And, and look, let me—I don't you, think he cares, John. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let me tell you this: I don't think honestly,
1: I don't think he cares.
0: Uh, again, I'll be previewing Ghana in my next episode, but let me just say this for Portugal. For all the talent that we have, Portugal has the ability to make it to the semifinals, has the ability to make it to the Final Four at the very, very least. They're winning it all, João. You know, and, 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 and hey, and then let me go on record. You're predicting they're going to They're gonna winning win. it all. I'm predicting that they're going to make it as, as far as the Final Four, but um, it's going to be a shame if Portugal doesn't make it and we get knocked out, let's say, in the round of 16. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's really my biggest worry. But like I said, there's a lot of question marks, and that's sports. In sports, there's always a lot of question marks, and we always hope for the best. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But look, at the end of the day, um, regardless of what country the World Cup is in, regardless of what time of the year it is, when things kick off on Sunday, I think it's Ecuador and Qatar, they get it going, or Qatar, That get it going. Um, Obviously, we're all going to be very excited. And um, I know here in the States, we hear a lot about football, soccer, but we're going to be hearing about it a lot more Mm -hmm. because, you know, they've got matches from 5 a.m. But let me ask you a question. I was kind of switching gears to another competition. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Tasa de Liga. The Tasa de Liga, for a lot of people that don't know the history, was created, I think it was created about 10, 11 years ago. And at the time... The first division only had 16 clubs in the first division, and eventually it was increased to 18. And they decided to do the das of the league at the time. I think Valentim Loredo, who was one of the executives at the FPF, I think he was also. It's one of those things in Portugal I've never understood, where you have somebody that works for the federation. He was also
1: for Boa Vista, Valentim right. Loredo.
0: But he also worked as a mayor of a local town.
1: Yeah, and he was also president of Boa Vista at one point. I right. believe.
0: Right, he's got like ah uh, right, and um. He created this competition because they saw that it was being done in England. And it was an opportunity for the You know, smaller. it's the
1: only other major European tournament that has three competitions, which is England. Portugal has... They don't have that in England? State. No. You're right. Dude. England and Portugal are the, are the only two. It's Finland, Ireland, Scotland, like those third, like secondary... companies right. The only major ones is Portugal and England. Yeah. That has the three competitions. Well, let me say this.
0: I love the fact I've always been a big fan of the Taça de Liga because it's more football, and I think it's genius because in Portugal after seven o'clock at night there's no more football because of the time difference with Qatar. So it makes sense to have football matches still going on in Portugal because let's be honest with you, our teams to sit around for six weeks doing nothing it's not a good idea. Like you might. But it's well happening
1: in other countries. Why? Why? Well, are we it's special? not happening
0: in Portugal, but I, I know love the Taça League Liga going on during the World Cup. Are you a I, fan of this idea? I don't like it. I think it's stupid. Yeah, but why?
1: Because. When you look at the likes of Porto, Benfica, and Sporting, or well, Sporting, unfortunately, like oh, I think they only have like one, right, Kwatse?
0: I think they have Coats, and I think they have, um, they have a kid playing at Ghana.
1: Oh, do they? They have yeah, a kid but from with Ghana. the main squad. The main from well, the
0: main squad, yeah. Well, at least he's on the main squad.
1: Yeah, but he's not a key player.
0: You know, he's not a key player like Kwatse. Okay. We're talking about and key. And Morito, don't forget, Morito plays for Japan.
1: Okay, so they got two. They got a few. Okay, but Benfica and Porto have Benfica has six. I don't know how many Porto has. I never really counted, but. Porto has the, at least uh, two. They have, no, I think that's three. three or four. Three. They got Costa, Pep, Otario, Otavio, and who else?
0: I'm going to find out. They got Costa, Pep, mm-hmm.
1: Tareme. Tareme, so that's four. They have Tareme, Tareme. Uh, the
0: Colombians. Is it
1: Colombia? No, the Colombians are in the World Cup.
0: They have. Uh, I'm on a f-
1: that's it, but what the point is that Mefica happens to have six. The point is that when Mefica goes into this competition and whomever they play in the competition, they're, a f- they're, they're, they're at 100% full staffed, unless the player's injured, which, look, that's part of football. I think it's unfair that the likes of Benfica get to play the competition without their full squad. And I understand that even their secondary guys are better than the guys on the opposite side, but I don't think it's fair at all. I think it's a disservice to these teams because at the end of the day, if Benfica, Porto Sporting, lose out, crash out in this competition, they're going to be extremely ridiculed, and and people might lose their jobs when they don't have a full squad. I think it's absolutely unfair to them.
0: Well, let me just share with you, because I do have the list of the players. So, Benfica's got Antonio Silva, João Mario, Moçalo Ramos. Yeah, Ba, Portugal.
1: ba Enzo. Um,
0: then you have Enzo and Nico And Ba. And Argentina. And then you have, with Porto, you have Otavio, Digo Costa. You forgot Ba. Pa. Right, yeah, no, I said Ba, oh. I think, toward the end. So. Porto also has Estacchio.
1: Estacchio, Canada, Canada, so that's one. Grujic, with Serbia. Oh, that's three. So, they got six as well. And they got Treme. Treme, and then the three Portuguese. Right. So, that's six as well. Okay.
0: Sporting has Coates and Ugarte. That's oh,
1: Ugartas Uruguay got called up? That's nice. Up. Wow, that's I didn't know that. Up. I did not know that.
0: Then they got Fatua with Ghana, and they got Morito with Japan. Braga has a player missing. they got – well, actually, they have a few. Ricardo Huerta and a kid named Racek who's playing with Serbia along with uh, Grujek. So okay. there players that are players they're going to miss. But here's what I like about it. First off, number one, um, you're talking about clubs not playing for six weeks. And in this competition – They're playing for a competition that actually means something. I think I give the federation a lot of credit because I think this is a very good idea. Because I think to have the... Look, Porto Conceição gave Porto a week off. Now they come back. And what are they going to do for the next five weeks? Nothing. They're just going to play scrimmages against Mafra? I mean, give me a break. They're going to play scrimmages against Benefial? They're actually playing matches that I think count for something. So I like this competition. I think it's a very good idea. And, you know, for me also, I like the idea of the Taça of the Liga because it is a third competition. And here's another reason why I like the Taça of the Liga. I don't know if you know this, but there's talk. You know, they're talking about next year, um, you know, like when clubs go to Europe in Portugal. And, like, the case in point this year where going into the final match day of the Champions League, some people thought Braga and thought sporting should have had the week off, should not have been playing the Liga match leading up to the Champions League that week or the Europa League because they felt that they should have had that whole week to rest and get ready for qualifying for Europe. And a lot of people feel like that's what they need to do. So what I like about the of de Liga is one of the things that they are thinking about is they're thinking about in the future making the Tasta de Liga just the top four teams. Yeah,
1: and playing it outside.
0: And playing it outside of Portugal, which I think is a great idea. You put that in Paris. You put that in uh, London. um You know, you put that in, um, you know, you put that in uh, Geneva, where there's a lot of Portuguese. I think it's a genius idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, at the end of the day, look, anytime you get to
1: promote the Portuguese league and the Portuguese teams, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, But we'll see. I think it's only going to start what 2025, I believe.
0: There's talk about perhaps as soon as next
1: year. I thought they just—they had the 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 the, the with the president. Yeah,
0: you could change it. This is okay. the of da Liga. This isn't, you know, I can understand the Tasa da Portugal and things like that. Okay. but I don't think with the Tassa. No, but I think
1: Liga. I think they voted. That's what I'm saying. I think they let just this week uh, or last I don't week on Monday
0: it yet. I don't think it was confirmed. Okay. I think they had the discussion because the other good thing that's going to be happening to Portugal is the centralization of TV rights. Which I think is going to make a big difference. I think the big clubs are still going to get a lot of money. I don't like it, but there's going to be more clubs at the lower level.
1: If I'm Benfica, I Benfica hold them all hostage,
0: well, they're already doing that because but got they should. though TV.
1: They should, because without them, that TV, that TV contract is worthless.
0: Right, but if you have, but if you still have Porto and Sporting, that have a big still audience. worthless. Well, right now, and I, I'm
1: not being a Benfiquista. I'm just being a numbers guy. Right, you take Benfica out of that deal, it's worthless. Yeah, well, th- that's been the uh, talk. So Benfica, by far, if I'm done with all the stuff that goes on in the Portuguese league, with all the the interference and and influencing of referees and all the nonsense we'll make made up makeshift draws and all that stuff, if I'm Benfica, I hold firm and I tell them to kick rocks. Go ahead, go ahead, and negotiate your DTV deal without me. Without me, you get you get half, if even, of what you're gonna of w- what the value is. So, I mean. Look, I don't think they're going to do that. I think Benfica is going to play nice, but I totally understand at the same time if Benfica doesn't cooperate with everybody. It's the same reason why Barcelona, and Real Madrid, and La Liga don't want to cooperate because they themselves make more money than everybody else combined. Like, there is no added value. There is no added value to Benfica in having a centralized TV deal where it is beneficial to everybody else and in, 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 in everyone's best interest to have Benfica in their deal. And as we know, we just see every chance Porto gets to talk trash about Benfica. Anyone in that in that organization, they do. Anytime Sporting, you just see the president this week giving an interview about what's going on at Sporting, and he has to take his shots at Benfica. There is no respect in Portuguese football. Benfica should absolutely say, look, and I'm not saying Benfica are saints themselves. Don't get that. Don't get that mixed up. But there is no added incentive for Benfica to have this centralized TV deal where it is in everyone's best interest to have Benfica in the deal. Because without Benfica, they can't get the sums of money that they can with Benfica in the deal. So who does it really benefit? It's not Benfica.
0: Well, let me just say this. Uh, it's very interesting that they're thinking about it. I hope it means more money for a it I
1: like it. I'm a, look, we're American. Yeah. Well, American, you know, born and But we live in the United States. We follow the most successful league in the world in terms of money. It's called the National Football League, which is they have the, the, they, they have the, the revenue sharing, the whole night. Yeah. And thanks to the New York Giants back in the days and the teams in the 50s that understood that the only way the teams like the Green Bay Packers were going to exist was by sharing the revenue. Because those teams will not be able to to, to compete. It's like we see in Portugal, Juventus can't compete can't compete with Benfica. But we look, they've done it. The EPL has taken a page out of the uh, National Football League, and then themselves started going to revenue sharing. I totally say, But to just sit here and say it's a great thing, it's a great thing for everybody else, maybe for Benfica's not. And it's the same reason why Barcelona and Real Madrid do not. They'll never sign up for uh, centralized TVD because dumb teams alone get more money than they do alone. They get more money than they do from a centralized T V deal.
0: Yeah, I think but I think though that's international. I don't know if that's the domestic TV rights.
1: I don't even think they're in it. I don't Real Madrid and Barcelona are not in the in the they're it's like the remaining eighteen teams are by themselves. And then Barcelona has their own deal. In Real Madrid, they work out their own independent deals. And then the rest of the league does the revenue sharing amongst one another. They negotiate their own. So we'll see what happens, man. I just think that in Portugal you need to have more transparency. You need to have more respect, more attention paid to the fans. There's Fans are the last thing that they care about. Um, a lot of these decisions, a lot of these scheduling decisions by the league are an absolute joke. And, um, look, I think people should pay attention to it. And uh, it, you need a change in Portugal. It, it feels like they're still stuck in the 80s with a lot of their decisions. And hopefully Provenza and everybody involved, man, should, should take a proactive step in, in, in doing something in order to really – promote this league to the, to the outside investors, which right now there's not much interest from the outside.
0: Yeah. One of my uh, big problems with uh, Portugal um, is the fact that we are so heavy uh, on the talent. Uh, by the way, Portugal just scored through Bruno Fernandes. I'm looking at this correctly. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. We're recording this. Right save now.
1: it. Save yeah. it for the actual World Cup.
0: Yeah. I know. Right. Which unfortunately they don't uh, tend to do a lot. Um, but yeah, I think for me personally, my, my biggest thing with uh, you know with Portugal is that we are a league that is incredibly popular for our young talent, and I don't think people care about a, a Thursday night match between Rio Ave and Portimonense uh, and um, you know Pia uh, and Braga. I don't think people care about that as much. They c- you tell them that uh, you know a, a, you know this playing. You tell them that Antonio Silva is playing. People get excited for that reason because of the young players in Portugal, but I don't think people get excited for the actual domestic football. And I think for me, I've I've harped on this a lot in my episodes that I get very frustrated when people don't spend enough time talking about the Liga and they spend more time talking about the young players. And I realize the clubs need that money to sell the young players. There's no doubt about it. But I just think it's unfortunate that that's all people uh, talk about and people don't get excited about. You know, even if if Benfica's playing Passos de Ferreira, why wouldn't people get excited to watch Benfica play Passos de Ferreira? I do. But... You do, but your average fan doesn't
1: really <laughs> Well, i got to be brutally honest, and I'm not sure I should be admitting this publicly, but the only Portuguese Liga, Primera Liga action I see is Benfica games. I don't watch right. no, anything else. Because you're a Benfica No, because it's not just that. It's because the league is a joke overall, and I hate to say it publicly, but you see a lot of the the circus that goes on throughout the league. You're talking about a league that is – look, I had a conversation with Sir Alex Ferguson back in the days at Series XM. And he told me that he loves getting players from the Portuguese league because these guys are prepared tactically. It's one of the best leagues to develop players. This is, John, this is from Sir Alex Ferguson. This is not from, you know, Wumanku over there on Ferry Street. This is someone that's one of the most respected managers in the history of the game. But the fact of the matter is that the Portuguese league, in terms of gameplay, they're like the 61st league in the world in actual game time. The douchery, the clownery, the time-wasting. Bro, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. And even with VAR, there's still a lot of decisions that are made. Like, you're scratching your head. Like, what in the hell is going on? So I think that that reason alone is what keeps the ins- outside investment from coming into this league, which has boatloads of potential, but people don't want to be involved because of the transparency, because there's there's a lot of shenanigans going on in that league. No, and I it hurts get, them. It no, really does. I get
0: it. I, I get it. And, I, and that's a conversation for another time. We yeah. can go on all day. But um, I just think for me, I, I like the idea of centralized TV rights. I like the idea of the league getting more attention. And But, you know, I just like the idea of the stats of the league. I think clubs should be playing for something, even if there's an inordinate number of players that are missing because of the World Cup. And by the way, some of these players won't be missing a lot. Some of them are going to be eliminated in the group stage and they're going to come back. Um, you know, we'll see about whether
1: or not that happens. Well, for Portugal? Right. I well, mean, Portugal's going to win it all. The other countries. Portugal's going to win it all, so all the players are going to go through the final, the three players. Argentina, we got two from Argentina. They're going to go far, right? FIFA's going to carry Messi to the final, right? He's on 993 games. They're going to want him to win the to win the World Cup on his 1,000th game. So you know they're more about Ocolina. And then the only other guy we got is Bah. Okay, Denmark might get sent home early, but I expect the other five players Figure players to, to spend a lot of time at this World Cup.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We hope. I mean, look, we want all the... Players. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, Chris, I'm going to wrap this uh, episode up, and uh, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, I want to give you a shout-out. First
1: off, Oof, shout out. thank deep.
0: you for uh, being on the podcast, number one. Thank you for the hospitality. Don't worry. The bill came. the
1: bill will be mailed to your house.
0: I'm, uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at our poured wine bottle. It is literally gone.
1: You it's know, all right. We, there's more. We got there's, more. We got, liquor, let's fill like it up. Fill it up,
0: my man. Fill there's it up. stores right on. the, the first Portuguese podcast <laughs> oh, sh- that fills it up. Are You sure you don't want that any more? There you go. Drink it out of the bottle. There you go. That's <sighs> how we do it. Um, let me uh, wrap up this episode. First of all, I want to take this opportunity because I saw something. I know um, you're involved with a lot of projects. No, I'm not. Um, but I know recently you had a guest that stayed with you. If you don't, if you don't. Oh yeah, play. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, you had somebody from Lisbon who's. Very much, Flipping Liz,
1: aka Bakeru, the great Bakeru, the Ro- Benfica romantic.
0: And I wanted to bring this up because, regardless if you're a Benfica fan or not, I think you would be very interested in hearing this because you—he t- stayed with you for about a week. Am I correct? He stayed yeah, the whole you. week. Yeah, not about. You time. took him to a Giants game?
1: No, Jets, Patriots. Jets, Patriots. That at my life Stadium. Uh, no, no, Knicks. I took him uh, Rangers, Flyers. Rangers, Flyers. Well. That was it. That was it. That was it. And, and then I took a him a bunch of to- other places I can't talk about here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it is i don't know libraries uh, like he loves libraries
0: but um you brought someone from Portugal over and and you mentioned to me that he he remarked about the Portuguese that are over here Our passion
1: i t- I try to have that conversation with him yeah Talk and then he and then he used it on the benfica podcast that night you he shot it because I said bro because we watched the game in Newark uh benfica winds up winning six one against Maccabi and Benfica gets out of the group in first place and we're all like in tears
0: so that was the week he was here right
1: so we're all in tears. And I said to him, bro, and then before you know it, TV was off and your was done. And it's just whatever, you're in your thoughts, in your head, and it's you. and But fortunately, I was with him, you know, you're myself. And so we, we kept the Benfica thing alive. And I said, bro, see, this is this is what love Benfica is. He's like, what do you mean? I said, what you guys do in Portugal is easy. Because right now you're chilling at the lots the roulettes, right outside the lose. You're mingling with 50 other thousand Benficistas, bro. You live this. Right? And it's easy to fall in love with the woman that you spend a lot of time with. Right? We get to see this woman once a week and we have to fall in love with her and we have to go crazy to see her, you know, and spend thousands of dollars to go across the pond. Like, that's difficult to keep that relationship alive. And at first, he was like, nah, nah. But then he comes on the podcast and he's like, yeah, you know, you guys. And again, we're not here to to, to to measure who's a bigger Benfica now. That's irrelevant. It was a joke between him and I. But at the end of the day, it really does take a special type of person to keep up. Whether it's Benfica, Sportingista, Braga, Morirense, Jubis, it doesn't matter. It's not just, this is not just Benfica related. This is Portuguese soccer related. If you're in love with one of those clubs, man, it's, it's look, it's a lot of work right? Because you have to search for the news and thankfully you got you on PortugueseSoccer.com to do a tremendous job. There isn't a night that I go to sleep without going to Twitter and checking out the Capas on PortugueseSoccer.com. That, I've been doing that for years as long as I can remember, so thank you for that. Thank you. But just like myself, there's plenty of Benfiquistas and Portistas, Sportingistas, and whatever club that that you know, it, you live this from afar. Yeah, And so like that love, man, like that soldado, right? It's real. And so, you know, Baquero got to experience it with us, got to spend um, a couple of uh, nights at some sporting events. He was absolutely uh, speechless in terms of going into MetLife Stadium, having the Jets play their main rival, which is the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots wind two. up winning that game, and they're celebrating amongst us. And he's like, this can never happen at the Duluth. Mm. He was amazed that we're having beer and we're having steaks and i got you know sweet and Probably stuff like that I, I got steaks, box, right? i got lounge seats much
0: more expensive than uh...
1: yeah the whole nine like you know each beer was 17 dollars like what the <laughs> f- yeah like you know what i mean so like it was a totally different world from like they couldn't believe the fan engagement the atmosphere now obviously going to a football game for someone that doesn't understand it and all those whistles and stoppages was a little bit frustrating for him but he was just intrigued at how even in throughout timeouts there was somebody engaging with the fans, T-shirts and this and that. And, t- and so they absolutely loved it, man. They loved it, and they were just shocked that, like, no way in hell is Sportingista and his family's running around, style the lose, celebrating a victory without getting, you know, knocked out. And it's just a different culture. It's just a different culture. It the way is. they view sports is totally different.
0: So if you get an opportunity and you want to see that episode and you want it, because you, you're right about the fact that people in Portugal, or even in Europe— don't Understand that how hard it is for us here in the east coast of North America because
1: east west. Know, west is even worse because you're three west hours is further, much worse. yeah, yeah.
0: You know, we have Champions League football that starts at three o'clock in the afternoon here. That's 12. Tough. You know, I mean you're in LA, San Jose, or Vancouver, it starts at 12 o'clock.
1: That's awesome, bro. You wake up, have a cup of coffee, watch
0: <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, during the weekday, everybody's working, or well, yeah. most people are working at least, yeah, uh, with the way this economy is, but um. I think it's... Uh, but uh, I do want to give a shout out because you had told me about it and I found it fascinating to see someone coming from Lisbon and having that perspective. But I have people that come from Portugal and... Um I remember as uh, actually happened a few months ago. I had a cousin of mine, and he, was, I was like, oh, "We, you know, bef- you know." I think it was when Sporting played Spurs in the first match, and he was a big Sporting fan. And I said, uh, "Oh, by the way, you know, Spurs are going to be playing Sporting coming up in fifteen minutes." He's like, "What are you talking about? The match is at eight o'clock." Yeah, there's so like you. my man. You're on the North America. The yeah. match is three o'clock over here, 3, 1,500 hours. And he was in shock, and he came to an appreciation. But you
1: know what? Like on the, the other fair. side of the coin, when not, when when when, when I've not been to Portugal in a while, but when I do go to Portugal. And, like, I'm going to a Benfica game and it's an eight o'clock game. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's weird to be watching games at night because I'm so used to the afternoon yeah, or yeah, in the mornings. I've been so that it before. is weird. It is weird because you wait the whole day. Here at EPL, we wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. You got games going on. It's a beautiful thing. So, hey, man, look, we all have, have our difficulties, but at the end of the day, the passion, the love is there. And when you love something, right? And my mom likes to say, can Cora gozo no cansa. You know what I mean? When you love something, bro, it's never tiring. You'll do everything you can in your power to watch. And uh, regardless of what club you're a fan, I respect it. You know what I mean? It takes a lot, and whether you're here in Europe, South America, wherever you may be. Um, but, look, Portuguese soccer is an interesting league, to say the least. There's a lot of positives, a lot of clownery yeah. going on. But, you know, it's it's our league, and it's what we we want to represent and what we want to respect. And at the end of the day, we take care of our own. So, you know, keep watching it, keep following it, and hopefully things will get better. Transparency will get better as we go along.
0: I'm going to end it like this because I mentioned this last week, but Benfica is doing so well, undefeated after 25 matches, which I know you have to be happy. The only thing that the press could complain about is the new str- <laughs> <laughs> i,
1: I, I got to give you a heads up for that. Go ahead.
0: The only thing that the press could complain about was doing Smart's Elevator not having good tickets at the PSG match. Yeah, that was crazy. That but that was planted. Yeah, but that's true. But let's think about that for a second. You guys are doing so well that the most negative thing that people can report about Benfica is the CEO not having the best tickets. Isn't that, like, amazing?
1: But that goes to show you that at Benfica, it's a soap opera. Every day there's a new storyline. Right. So, <laughs> uh yeah, look, I, I can't complain. No, you, <laughs> I, you. I rather, I rather it be this way than 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 what it's been for the last couple of years, man. By by far, uh, what Benfica doing is extraordinary. Roger Schmidt deserves all the credit in the world. Costa, a person that had a lot of doubts, and and look, it seems like he's a different type of president, and he really cares about the footballing department. And spin like I don't even want to talk because I don't want to jinx it. No, so. I
0: think uh, look, if you're uh, if you're a Benfica fan, you should be very happy. Although I'd be curious to see how will the break affect your momentum? Yeah, I don't... This you know, rough Heaven time. forbid nobody gets hurt, but, uh, you know, sporting has been an incredible disappointment. Porto, I'll give Porto... Give right of the ship. You know, they have... They had it bad in the yeah, beginning, but and they, they came v- back, and they won. Braga, you know, big win this weekend to win at Portimonense to turn the ship. Casa Pia is a beautiful story. Um, but like I said I think if you're a Bafica, you have to be very happy because I think when the only negative thing that people can talk about is the CEO being upset about tickets I just think that that's yep. such uh, a uh, I'll sign uh, up for it that's that's such a statement so but Chris um,
1: thank you very much John I'll say it. thank you for having me on no no I appreciate, I'll appreciate it. it I'll you're be back a good I'll be chat. back
0: you're always a good conversation you're always a good chat and uh, you know I'll be up next week because we're going to be talking about uh, Ghana and uh, look Chris just like me and you we obviously want what's best for Portugal, and that is Portugal to make a run. I just hope that Portugal doesn't disappoint in terms They're of… They're winning it all, John. I hope they do. And by the way, if they do, I will record Beautiful. I'm Recording this. And I will repeat it, but I'm going to tell you something right now. The only good thing about getting eliminated early is that it probably means the end of Fernando Santos. Let's be honest
1: with you. No, I think either way, the end of Fernando Santos yeah, is… It, it's going to be… An w- end. When we course, win it, he's, he's gone.
0: best manager if he does leave. I got a coach. Who do you got? Joaquim you Lowe. Who?
1: Joaquim Lowe.
0: He's a definitely offensive minded, I'll tell you. He's
1: that. won it all. Tons of experience. We see what the Germans have done in Lisbon so far. <laughs> yeah. It's a different culture, a different attitude, a different mindset. That's the guy I would pick.
0: Yeah. Well, I think uh, like I said, we're all rooting and uh
1: But that's a conversation for after the World Cup because right now we're all gonna win it all. So look, Gregor Portugal, carrega João, thank you very much. The the Portuguese Soccer podcast.
0: Yeah, no, and thank you for uh, being uh, honored. on. Uh, honored. Terribly excited. You know, when I, st- uh, I was on, it might have been, what, three years ago with you and Alfredo on the Benfica podcast. Has it I been three here? years? It's been about three years. Jesus. I actually sat in this man cave when Alfredo was here, and a shout out to Alfredo.
1: I Zach Torto's st- studio, bro. Zach,
0: Zach Thorton Tur- And by the way, again, repeat, if you know Zach Thornton, let him know that he has a studio named after him. And by the way, can you imagine what It's he not does just
1: any studio. Him? It's the this D the the studio the Benfica podcast studio. Yeah,
0: and by the way, maybe one day Freddie will do will respond yeah, to our many requests. When he
1: stops selling vacuums; he'll, he'll probably you know. He'll return where is he right now? I have he's playing no. like fourth division. Iceland? No, he's not. I don't think he's playing. He's like a club promoter, so I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, whatever.
0: But uh, listen. Good luck to Portugal. And, again, uh, next episode, uh, I will be talking extensively about the first match against Ghana. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's all about Portugal. And, uh, you know, folks, I'm going to wrap it up here. Episode 144 of the com podcast. Again, thank you, Chris, for the hospitality. And, uh, you know, um, I just hope, like I said, I hope everything works out very positive. So thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. My
1: pleasure, man. Anytime. Anytime. Looking forward to the next time. Folks,
0: that wraps up episode 144, and I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.